The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Four oh six on the Central Coast. It is Friday, February seventeenth, two thousand twenty-three. I'm Dave Congleton. We have our Friday night open line last call during the five o'clock hour. King Harris at six oh five salutes the music of Lulu and Petula Clark and Dusty Springfield. And sometime between now and then, we've got one last pair of free tickets to give away to see Ringo Starr at Vina Robles in August. Uh, this hour. February is Black History Month. We had some guests yesterday reminding us of that. And uh, we turn once again to the state of Florida. Uh, As news zipped across Florida that Governor DeSantis had threatened to eliminate advanced placement classes or AP classes, some parents discussed moving out of the state to protect their children's chances at a good education. And high school students, some of them enrolled in AP classes, tried to understand what was happening. Uh, Florida Governor DeSantis warned last Tuesday that he may withdraw state support for AP programs, intensifying his ongoing conflict with the College Board, which oversees all AP classes, including an African-American studies course the DeSantis administration says leans left and lacks educational value. Earlier this month, the College Board said it's revising the course to eliminate lessons on Black Lives Matter and the reparations movement. Always good to be in conversation with Annie Lorenzen. She joins us now. Annie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dave. Thanks for joining us, Annie. I know you've been following the story. I know you've been reading up a lot about it lately. Just for the person that may have forgotten, let's remind them in the beginning, what is an AP class? What do we mean by that term? Uh, AP is the first two letters of the words advanced placement. And advanced placement classes are classes that kids can take in high school uh, if they, you know, have the grades uh, or are cer- certainly interested in advanced placement English classes, history classes, whichever they're offered at their high school. Um, and it used to be, it's less now, but it used to be that there's a controversy around AP classes within, for instance, the Ivy Leagues. There are some colleges, and I can't remember which ones, but there are some colleges back east and across the country that are giving less weight to the AP if you have a ton of AP classes over perhaps someone who actually can express themselves spontaneous, you know, spontaneously um, through written or spoken or whatever. Uh, so advanced placement courses are a way for kids to shine, extra shine, as they prepare to go to college and apply to college. And um, we have been following this ongoing debate between the governor of the state of Florida and the Advanced Placement College Board, because it's not about geometry, it's not about uh, English, it's not about physics, it's specifically about African-American studies. Exactly. Um, and and that 
you know, that's a, in, in my mind, and we'll get to that, in my opinion, a wonderful thing. If you look at a college, they have all kinds of African-American studies, women's studies, religious studies, um, you know, you could go on and on, Irish, Celtic studies, all sorts of things, diasporas. So, you know, studies, anything like that, um, I just get all excited, you know, that, that, that a responsible, good studies course, um, either offered in, in high school, and I certainly think that's not too early to do that, um, it's, they're very valuable. And for me personally, I have gotten so much out of really reading more and reading deeper and reading much better informed about our American history and the history of areas here in California where I lived as a kid. So I get excited when Google first started doing their Black History Month doodles and all these people were coming up that most people have never heard of who have done tremendous and significant contributions to our culture. Um, from the black communities. And that just got me all turned on. And then the whole George Floyd morphing into the Black Lives Movement, et cetera, et cetera, I just thought this is a great opportunity for me to really pay attention and search out and look up and be aware of things that were happening all around me, of which I had no idea, that are wonderful to know. So then what is the concern of Governor DeSantis and many of his supporters? Why are they singling out African-American history for this debate? No, I can't answer that question exactly, other than to speak to what you just did a couple minutes ago, where they're complaining about specific pieces for example, in the African-American studies course, that were removed about Black Lives Matter, and I forget what the other uh, issue that you mentioned, Dave. But, you know, and DeSantis has dug his heels in. I don't know whether it's because I suspect it's because he's pandering to his conservative base. Um, And education in this country is a hot topic, uh, and what kids are taught or not taught. And so we've come to this confluence this intersection of all that has been missing from American history studies, you know, and intersecting with all of the cultural problems within our communities that we watch, whether it's shootings or, you know, certain types of jury, you know, what they came up with in different kinds of cases to do with civil rights or whatever, and and then the fear. People have had a lot of fear since the last presidential election. Mm. And we're already we're already gearing up and we're in the middle of it. And DeSantis as an obvious possible choice to run, um, is is picking you know, picking and choosing what he's gonna you know, what he's going to do before he leaves office, I guess, would right. be part of it. So and and as, as I read earlier, uh, DeSantis uh, believes that the African-American studies program leans left, lacks educational mm-hmm. value. And then mm-hmm. the college board came back and said right. that it was going to revise the course to eliminate lessons on Black Lives Matter and the reparations right. movement. Right. And they did. And there was a, I don't know if it was on CBS, Good Morning America, I don't know which, it can be Googled pretty easily, but recently 
those folks that brought together both the editors and, and the writers of that African American Studies curriculum came and spoke and shared vividly how they took that criticism and took those things out and re and redid it. And the College Board, you know, looks at that and the College Board says, you know what, there's nothing else going on like this in these schools. And it's very timely. And a bottom line for me, anything that we can do for kids, junior high and above, even younger, anything we can do where we don't look, our kids don't look at each other just because their skin color is different as somebody completely different as an other. And I think the more people, it's so exciting to see what the contributions have been and continue to be that have never been celebrated nor talked about. Basically basically 200,000 Florida students took AP classes in 2020 to 2021. There you go. That's a lot of kids, you know, that that are believing that taking these courses give them a leg up in the in the in the selection process for the colleges they want to go to. Now, that in and of itself is a whole other conversation. Like I said a little bit earlier about the AP courses, um, there was there was a real consistent problem or a belief amongst educators and academics that. They were weighted too much. They were weighting them too much with a with excluding other things that makes a, a more well rounded student, perhaps. Right. So it's uh, it's it's just it's a hot topic, and I I just it makes it really does it makes me sad and it makes me very upset that people only read one side of things and and. You know the whole sixteen nineteen project prior and continuing. Um, that was all changed. Let me, not let, all changed. Yeah, significantly let, altered. Let me get so. this break in, and I'll let you make that case. Annie Lorenzen is here, longtime educator, getting her perspective on the ongoing battles with Ron DeSantis and the College Advanced Placement Board. Now, Governor DeSantis is threatening to pull all the AP classes out of Florida. What's at stake there? I'm Dave Congleton on AM 920, FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We are in conversation with Andy Lorenzen. Very concerned about how politics is seeping into education in Florida, but this could be happening anywhere. You know, what happens here can happen there. And uh, we're talking about uh, the governor of Florida and likely presidential candidate, Ron DeSantis, who is uh, in during Black History Month saying that he may just uh, cancel AP classes in Florida just because of the way that Black History Month is being taught. And I know you don't have the political background in this, Annie, but everything I've been reading says he may not have the power to do that. This may just be an empty threat. Do you see that possibility? I, I do, absolutely, because the only thing I didn't look up, and if somebody's listening and knows this, I don't think DeSantis, not only do I think he doesn't have the authority politically, but I don't think he has a background, enough background in education or any of this to be making these broadsides. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't trust that um, in anybody. So 
you know, there there is that, too. Yeah. And, yeah, so I agree with you. Yeah, you and I are both cynical over the years. It, it, this yeah. is, it goes back <laughs> to what you were saying earlier. He's doing this to score points with his potential base. He's going to run for president. He wants to show how conservative he can be. Yeah, and this is one of those, and, and it's very unfortunate. Um, he's articulate, he's charismatic, but this is one, another example of, by making these broadsides and these broad statements and these broad threats, it forces, again, an electorate, I mean, excuse me, the, the people who vote, rather, the voting folk, to become polarized, because it becomes an either-or, black-or-white thing, and because it's all mixed in, and that's just, that's a shame, because that rhetoric causes divisiveness and causes people within families to question each other's whatevers, and I just, it makes me sick. So, Not sick sick, just right. makes me angry. Well, you're, you spend a lot of years in the classroom. Who decides what should be in an AP class in terms of the subject content? Is that the teacher? I mean, who, who rightly should make those decisions? Well, I uh, I don't even think the teachers, some are qualified to do that, but I know there is the school board, like it was for, is for Florida, is very, very involved um, with how and what curricula come, are rolled out. Um, there is testing with teachers and amongst, you know, they do test to see how a curriculum may or may not work. Um, it's quite a big process. And it's a very important process in most states uh, when that's being determined. Not uh, in my humble opinion and my personal opinion, I don't think enough parents are involved in the process who could be involved in the process. Um, whether the AP class is specifically about something that maybe it's a parent who not only teaches it at college level, but maybe isn't even a teacher, but is someone who has been in the industry for many, many years and dealt with licensing and certificating and all that. So my my concern has always been the parents are always the last ones to see the books that come home uh, with their kids. And there's a lot of unhappy parents over the years because they haven't been part of the process. Right. Um, and I, I know the decision has already been made, but for example, uh, they took out any discussion of Black Lives Matter and I think that's unfortunate without taking a side one way or the other in the various controversies associated with BLM. But I don't know how you teach African-American history without coming up to date and including a very important movement of the last six to ten years. What I'm, and I haven't seen the curriculum, Dave. I haven't seen the um, course. What, what can be done with that, instead of using, for example, just a whole unit, perhaps, is what they tried to do. They had to tried to make a big focus of the book. Black Lives Matter was like a unit. It can be addressed without making it an entire unit. Sure. Because that Black Lives Matter was a response from people, from cultural things or whatever. That response is worth mentioning, and that can be mentioned very with much neutrality. Mm. You know, there were there were many sides to this, and many people were upset. Blah blah blah. But I think they were forced to take it out as a a major thing. All right. So I promise you a chance. That's my suspicion. Tell the story about Biddy Mason. I had not heard of this woman or her story until you shared it with me. Well, it's just, I grew up, I was, my mother was born in Los Angeles proper. I was born in LA, you know, proper. My brother was, and my other two siblings were born in LA County. So 
but still in L.A. And Biddy, B-I-D-D-Y, Mason, was an enslaved person, an enslaved woman, um, who actually walked <laughs> with her master, her enslaved owner, her enslaved owner, actually walked from, I think it was Georgia, I'm trying to find the exact place, but um, all the way ended up in Utah. And she, oh, here it is. She walked from Mississippi to Utah, then to Southern California, herding animals and tending to the needs of her slave master, all while caring for her three small children. She arrived in California, successfully fought for and won her freedom through the court system in 1856 at the age of 38. She then worked for Dr. John S. Griffin as a nurse and midwife. She founded a school and foster home and the largest and oldest black church in Los Angeles, the first African Methodist Episcopal Church. Hmm. She is an American hero. Um, she was she amassed a great deal by the time of her death in 1891. She had invested in a lot of real estate. And uh, so she amassed great wealth through real estate, but she always served the L.A. community, and she was very involved with the incarcerated. She was dealing with issues back then where the major, that where a lot of the incarcerated were the, um, were the Negro population, the Negro men. Um, she did a lot of work in the, in the prisons. Uh, there's an actual Biddy Mason Foundation and a charitable ter- foundation as well that are based in L.A. She has four living ancestors, two girls um, and their two children. One of them has two kids um, that work very closely with the foundation, but they're also like professors at USC. Um, it's just incredible what Biddy was able to do. And she worked and used her nursing and working with a doctor experiences to really help create medical missions and you know just did did it's just unbelievable i get so excited because here i am growing up in la and i knew about alvera street grandma would take me there my grandmother was a french french immigrant but i knew nothing about biddy mason and there's all sorts of things in la uh where you can you know see murals or go down and and actually find remnants, significant remnants of her life and her legacy. Um, I, I love the story, and I wouldn't have known the story if a, if a good friend and publisher friend of mine hadn't really done a lot of research and included her in a California history book, uh, which is just awesome. So this is so, the kind of history that you want to see taught in an AP history class? Yes, talk about it. You know, talk about the significant... I mean, we've we've come to know since all of these things have been hitting the fan, we've come to see more and more widely disseminating information about the black experiences of the soldiers who were black in the Revolutionary War, in the Civil War, in World War II, in World War One. It just goes on and on, and they were significant, heroic, and other kinds of achievements. So, I want us to know that you know we know about Lincoln and. and he has a complicated past. Robert Lee has a complicated past. You go on and on, but right. the, the but the black people during that history managed to do some remarkable things. But we can't go on and on because we got news and traffic and weather. Not to worry. More of Annie Lorenzen. Your phone calls and text messages still come. What happens when politics and education bleed over? This is Hometown Radio.
Looking forward to taking your phone calls during our Friday night open line. Last call begins at 5.05. And yes, we still have a pair of Ringo tickets to give away. Last pair. We'll do it between now and 7 o'clock. Annie Lorenzen is here, longtime educator, getting her thoughts on the ongoing battle between the governor of Florida, likely presidential candidate Ron DeSantis, and the College Advanced Placement Board. The fight is all over. Um, the fight is all over the teaching of African-American studies. And Annie, as we come back to you, you just were telling us a great story about Biddy Mason. And it's a mm-hmm. wonderful story, but I would think that everybody would be in favor of that story being taught in class. The, the, the argument from DeSantis and his supporters seems to be that they, they don't want all the wokeness. They, they don't want um, the discussion about <laughs> reparations. They don't want to hear about Black Lives Matter. It's the more controversial things that they don't want to be covered. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would really, I wish we could peel it all away, Dave, and ask them what, what are they really afraid of? Is it the old saw, and I think it's an old saw, is it the old saw that we don't want kids to feel bad about what happened and feel guilty about American history? Well, if, you know, are you going to teach it that way so that they feel guilty? Or can you not offer up what really happened? In a, kids can handle it. I was teaching all those years middle school kids. Kids can handle information, and they're pretty discerning. Yes, a lot of their discernment comes out of their experience in their homes with their parents, but they're very willing to look at two sides of an issue. They may still fall down on one way or the other, one issue or the other side, but they're willing to listen, and they're willing to be informed, and they're willing to you know, come up with solutions that are very different from what parents and adults think they are able to do. Hmm. So, you know, the bottom line question is, why is everybody so afraid of incorporating real things that really happened to people that were real people and impacted other people, you know? If you want in on the conversation with Anna Lorenzo, we welcome your calls. We've got some text messages coming in, too. 805-543-8830. We start with Alan in San Luis. Hey, Alan. Hey, Dave. Hey, Annie. Hey, Alan. Hi, Alan. Yeah, I'm going off of what Chris Aaron was discussing several weeks ago about this, that it was the last section, and things he called something about called intersectionality, and... Mm -hmm. Well, there were several other things like that. If they're if they're taught as possible theories, mm-hmm. concepts, I mean, fine, and not as fact. I mean, again, um, white supremacy, not white supremacy, but in this case, white privilege and all that. I would like both sides taught. Right. What's the other side of white privilege, Ellen? that we all have struggles. I have issues of vision, and being Jewish, there was issues of anti-Semitism. There are people struggle with all kinds of things. Right. Annie? Right. Well, and that's, that's what, I think that's what I was saying off the air, Dave. All those years that I was with those middle school and high school kids, um, you know, it can be shared in a way that says, some people have this issue or this problem with this. Other people have this problem with this, whatever that this is that you were going to talk about now. And white privilege is a great one, actually. I actually, in the, the was it, oh, it's been almost 20 years white privilege was introduced to me 
uh, through a, a job I had, and this this person wanted to have the whole staff. They're talking about you've all been white privilege. You've gotten where you are, sitting where you are, just because it was on the backs of somebody else. And I can remember bristling. Uh, this was in the 90s. I can remember just getting upset because my grandmother, you know, came from France as an immigrant and made her own way, you know, and, and there was no privilege. Right. I didn't think I was privileged growing up. So they, they can be discussed in a way that, that young people can go, wow, now I can see why people are all upset about it, or now I can see why people want it to be understood. So Alan's absolutely right. Alan, what else from you? Well, to me, it's the chance for dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I know, Annie, you brought this up, I brought this up. We need to make sure people are getting their critical thinking skills first Mm -hmm. so they can look at these issues and analyze them for themselves. Uh, And I guess I'd come back before Annie responds. These are students who are in AP class, so they're the creme de la creme. They're smart people. They're not me. (laughs) (laughs) You you see what I'm saying? You know, you had a, I think, Dave, that you mentioned off air that there was a text that came in about you know, like DeSantis had this idea, they can get the information somewhere else, they don't need to get it, and the person that texted or, or emailed right. in talked about how you can take college courses as a high school student. You can go do that. So that's another way that that right. information could be disseminated. We'll talk about that. All right, Alan, thanks for calling in. 805-543-8830. Peter is in Avila on KVEC. Hi, Peter. Hi there. Hi, Hi. Annie. Hi. Hi, Peter. Hey, just a quick question. I appreciate you not selling our young people short. What are your thoughts about uh, the possibility of um, teaching the uh, teaching evolution and creation in the same classroom and um, give the supporting evidence for both sides and let the kids decide? I, I'm going to make some enemies here, but I worked with kids who actually were demanding, and they were just regular kids, demanded over time that we discuss these things in logic and rhetoric. And it is, as long as it's supported by the best, and those are theories, right? So as long as those things are supported by the best thinking on either side, I think that's hugely important. And it worked for me with the kids. I don't know if it's because I was non-threatening and I wouldn't tell them I was one way or the other. It was always about, what about another viewpoint? So I'm all for that, but I know for a lot of people, um, especially those that have real strong religious traditions in their family that speak out against those things, you you can take a chance. But I learned that the kids could handle it, and I didn't have people all up in arms. So I... You, I, I believe you have to say that give the two sides, if it's three sides, maybe there's three sides. Yeah, but Peter... But as long as they're yeah, supported. Right, but Peter, what about uh, the earth is flat? There are people who believe that. Do we give them equal time? Does every issue get equal time, Peter? Well, no, I mean, to, to Annie's point, okay, there's no, there's no like, proof or a logical argument that the earth is flat. So we, we don't waste our time with that. Right. Okay, but there's there's actually good science on both sides, creation and evolution. Okay, right. there's there's I mean we can support the Big Bang. I mean from both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think that's something I've kind of wanted to to bring out every once in a while. I thought this would make a great show because just just to that one issue, the Big Bang versus creation, whatever. 
the more that science, astrophysicists, astroscientists, all that, um, the more that they look at the micro and the macro in our experiences, the more many of them believe that so much more than the Big Bang. Do right. we know what Can, that is? No. I know, but let me but, ju- let me jump in because I want to keep us on the topic. Peter, I appreciate the call. 805-543-8830. Annie Lorenzen is here. We're talking about Black History Month, Governor DeSantis, and the teaching of African-American history at the AP level. Mark is in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Mark. Hi, Dave. Hi, Annie. Hi, Mark. Um, Hi, Mark. I, the, uh, I, I went to a, a really great high school where we had AP classes, and I, I remember the debate on the Vietnam War and how that was, you know, and how we got involved in that mess. And the teacher, but it wasn't popular, but thanks to the AP class, we could have that discussion. But I, I wonder, mm-hmm. Annie, today there seems to be a major uh, distrust of public schools developing anyway after COVID. And parents yeah. are, and the, the teachers' unions have blocked kids from entering private schools. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the motto is, together we fail. Um, you know, in Chicago, they're spending $21,000 on uh per student in philadelphia and they just found like 18 schools that the the high school kids were illiterate now the the way it ties into DeSantos is the reason he's gaining power is because parents know this and feel this now and they didn't use Mm -hmm. to and so now a person like him can come up with this and and especially covid the parents are feeling threatened and i'll 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 take your answer annie annie Uh, okay so i'm sorry I agree, Mark, with with all of that because parents are very mistrustful of education, especially now since COVID. And the idea that, you know, parents all of a sudden had to be the teachers and where are they going to get curriculum to teach the kids? Um, I think what you also boiled it down to is there's a great fear that the kids are turning, they are turning out illiterate people are entering college who can't write and they've been accepted at places like Cal Poly and even some of the Ivies. And when they're asked to write, they can't do it. So, you know, the critical thinking piece has been lost in schools is my response to a lot of this. Kids are not taught how to think. They're not taught and they don't have to be taught what to think. They just need to be taught how to think. And debate used to be a good tool for that. Mock trial here locally was a big deal before the pandemic. I don't know if it's coming back yet or not. But, um, you know, those, when you can't think, and there's somebody at home who's striving to keep the world together for you, and they're having a tough time, they really don't have time to think about what they're thinking and how it's turning out. So we have to, critical thinking has been just lost. And some of these courses, like this AP African Studies class, gives kids an opportunity to think critically if they're given the right fact. And I don't mean right, but I mean factual, historical, or the best theories of, of what's going on. Right, let's go back to Mark. Mark? Well, I, I agree with you, Annie, but I, I, I feel like we were failing because uh, the, we took the AP classes. They were really controversial, and they were great, and they really forced us to think. But we were also prepped from first grade on with a thorough education. 
And yeah. and so we're missing that component right now. And so no, I uh, now we're skipping over to the AP, which is really necessary, but the parents don't get the connection. Where at one yeah. time that was just, you know, you expected kids to read and write and, and be able to critical think and understand government and so forth, but they don't now. So that's, so that's why yeah. this... Uh, DeSantis is, is gaining momentum. Anyway, I think it's a great discussion. Thank right. you both. Mark, thanks for being part of it. Anything else you'd say to Mark? Oh, just that, yeah, that, that the losses that we have suffered in education as to how kids are, are prepared as they go along, the fact that it's all teaching to take a test, um, and the kids aren't taught to think about that. They just take, if you can spout the answer and memorize what it is that that te- you're going to be tested on, that's all that matters. And in the process, we've lost the ability within a classroom to even have a conversation outside of what it's going to take the kid to absorb in order to pass a test. All right. And that is really sad. We are in conversation with Annie Lorenzen. The sad part for me is there's only one segment left with her. But we'll be back with more of your phone calls, more of your text messages, more of our conversation straight ahead. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. Well, here we go, Annie Lorenzen. I've been waiting for this one. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, why isn't... Black History Every Month. The left is proud of offering the shortest month to black history. It's insulting. Well, this is clearly a listener who doesn't know their history. Why is February chosen to be Black History Month? Every February, the United States honors the contributions and sacrifices of African Americans who have helped shape the nation. February was chosen because the second week of the month coincides with the birthdays of both Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Nothing to do with politics. You want to comment on that, Annie? Well, I don't know. You know what? That's pretty good. I love trivia, um, important trivia or otherwise. But the Frederick Douglass, I hadn't thought about. What I thought about instantly was, you know, February 12th is a traditional Lincoln's holiday, and February 22nd was always um, George Washington. So they chose... In between now, we just have President's Day. I hadn't heard the Frederick Douglass connection. Yeah. Um, if you want, so, in, if you want in on this conversation with Annie Lorenzo, we need to hear from you now, please. Eight zero five five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine five eight three two. We talk about the controversy involving Florida Governor DeSantis, likely presidential candidate, Black History Month, and college AP courses. Now, Craig found a quote from Governor DeSantis who said that we want education and not indoctrination. Yeah, and I just, <laughs> you know, I just cringe because education is drawing out of somebody and indoctrination is forcing into somebody. And if something is taught in a way that isn't tainted by a bias, and it's simply either very factual, like we've talked about, or otherwise... You know, indoctrination can be letting kids forever think that whatever happened in the past, we don't need to keep studying it because it makes them guilty or feel bad. That's indoctrination. That's saying your feelings, you know, you you're, they're going to hurt your feelings if they tell you the truth or the facts. And 
that kind of indoctrination, I, I don't want to be part of that, where somebody else like a DeSantis decides to literally take away a course that could bring people together to solve solve our problems culturally and, and within our country. That's crazy. But I think the you fear, know, I, I think the fear, Annie, is that uh, some people say, oh, this is going to bring them together, and actually it's going to be more divisive because it's going to reopen old wounds or create new wounds. And I've only seen, and I can only speak to my personal experience, and I think talking about middle schoolers today and high schoolers today, is if things are presented in a way that invites them to think about it, feel what the other person might have, think about how the other person might have felt under those circumstances. I have never had a class that erupted into a device, into a divisive situation. I've had kids that looked at me and said, oh, I'm going to have to wrap my head around that one, Miss Annie. Or I've had parents call up and say, wow, that was something for that class. And how did you keep them all from going, you know, back at each other? And it can be done. And right. the- bringing people together and, and listening to their fears together, they can solve that. Here's the text you reference on the Stolberg Tatum text line. Listeners arguing an alternative to advanced placement class in high school is to co-enroll in college classes. And in the article that uh, I sent you, other suggestions, of, there are other ways of students to get college credit. What's wrong with sure. that approach, Annie? Well, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I have a lot of kids that I've known, and my grandson was one who took classes while he was a junior and senior out at Cuesta when he was in high school so that he wouldn't have to take those GE classes, um, you know, come college. But what happens is if you're only going to be able to get what it sounds like, which appealed to me greatly, this, uh, this African Studies class, if the only way you can get it is to co-enroll into college, that's gonna, that means you're not learning within your peers, per se, in the school in which you're going, where a lot of these issues crop up. I don't have a problem with it, but I think taking it out of that experience where you're in your high school with kids of your peerage, I think that's a shame. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think that would, that dilutes it again. Who gets that? Who gets that class? Only the kids that aren't working after school, only the kids that can find their way to the community college to take the classes, you know. Um, and so there's a lot of kids that are going to be excluded who might very much benefit from it. You know, we have to kind of look at that, too. How yes, you, it's an alternative, but who's being excluded while that's happening? How do you see this playing out? I'm just curious. I don't know. I, I'm always shocked by the things that, that come out of what's happening in the in the Republican Party, the rhetoric that's coming out of it. I'm trying to keep track of a lot of it. I don't know what's going to shake out because I really don't. You said something about there are people leaving Florida, though, because of the education situation. Well, the, Is that what you said? Well, there are parents that are now considering it. I wonder if they have a Lindsey Harn in Florida because, I mean, I get it. They're concerned about their young people and they want to yeah. get them into a good school and they have a shot yeah. at advanced placement courses. And if the state government there gets rid of all the AP classes, that sinks the educational chances for some of those young people. Yeah, and then we're at an intersection again, like the like Mark and, and have talked about. There is an intersection there where the AP classes are being really looked at differently by universities now, um, because they're not they're not finding that an AP class student in the long run does any better within college than the kid that didn't take it. Mm. And I'm I'm loosely saying that. There's I mean there's actual 
there are there are studies now that have shown that. So yeah. colleges are they're looking askance at the AP. Now, I've but got, I think yeah. a good AP class in high school will be awesome. I got two African minutes. Studies. I got Go two minutes left on a side issue. What do you make of in Georgia where they have proposed a bill that would allow them to prosecute librarians who let students check out books that are considered obscene? I'd have to read it. Now, the obscene piece, prosecuting a librarian for that, it just seems like a nightmare of legislation, a nightmare of enforcement, a nightmare of, you know, pursuing it. It just sounds like like a nightmare. And, man, librarians are some of the best people in the world for 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 information and for learning. So... That seems rather harsh, but they're trying to cure something that needs, I think, Dave, that needs to be cured at another level, um, that needs to be cured at home, at school, um, something else that would look different than prosecuting a librarian. That's like prosecuting a bartender for serving a drunk, right? I mean, it's a poor analogy, but it's, yeah. hmm. that doesn't always work either, you know, so... I don't know. I have issues with some of those things, and yet I came on the air what not too long ago saying that, you know, that certain kind of book that we talked about shouldn't be shown. Kids should not have access to it, you know, um, in the library. They, All right. They just, Miss Annie, so there you go. <laughs> time is uh, of the essence here. I got about 20 seconds for a final thought. I just would encourage people, I mean, here I am, I mean, nobody, everybody knows, I'm 76 years old, I'm an old white woman, and I am thrilled with all the things that we still have to learn about this remarkable country and who has been involved with creating it. So I encourage people to just keep looking, keep reading, and and don't accept everybody's opinion. Find out. It's easy to find out, I told you. All right, Annie, thank you very much. Here comes the news. Stick around. I'm Dave Congleton. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.